City Video, this is Russ. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Podcast. This is an episode of the new release wall, but you will not hear car noises, which is unusual for us. <laughs> vroom, vroom. There you go. Anyway, Just get yeah. Zach to provide that's it. What we could pay. That's why they pay me for the, the high-end sound effects. I'm a exactly. regular that guy from Police Academy. <laughs> Michael Winslow. Yes, yes. <laughs> Fantastic guy. I can't remember my kids' social security numbers, but I know Michael Winslow. <laughs> that is the most entertainment reporter thing I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, I'm Russ Berlingame, and with me today is Zachary Roberts. Hello. How goes it? It goes. Uh, we're going to be talking today, and and... As we are recording, this is early April. I don't know exactly when this will go out because yes. the, the movie that we're about to be talking about is released on May 1st. We're talking about Cartel 2045, which I know, I know, that that week, that period in time, right at the beginning of May, this is the only movie anybody's ever going to be talking about. Yep. There's <laughs> nothing else going on in that period of time. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very curious on because I'm looking at some of the release stuff and it and uh, the promo email that we got, um, which I always love getting stuff from Uncorked because their <laughs> their films are kind of fantastic um, yeah. and and, uh, and ra- a weird range too. Uh, but uh, well, it's it's because Uncorked just for uh, for context, yeah. they essentially are a purchasing hub. Yeah. Uh, my understanding is that Uncorked basically buys distribution rights for already completed films. Yeah. So, for instance, the reason that I start, started getting on Uncorked's mailing list in the first place was that I covered a movie called uh, Shucks, I can't, uh, Doomed, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was a documentary about Roger Corman's failed production of The Fantastic Four. Uh, which really wasn't failed because they did complete a movie, uh, but it it was failed in the sense that it never got distributed, which was by design. It's a long story. That movie's worth watching. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, the only downside to that movie, to be perfectly honest with you, is how passionate everybody is about the fact that, that movie should one day see the light of the day and that they, they genuinely believe it will eventually get a, 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 a proper release. Yeah. Which is, of course, plausible because you see things like the four hour uh, ABC television cut of Superman, the movie that just came out after 30 years languishing. But I I, I think that that's dramatically different, though, (laughs) because there's a version of that film that people like. (laughs) And um, I think even the most generous, you know, I I haven't I don't believe I've actually seen the 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 Corman. I know it's out Mm -hmm. there in the world. Um, but, uh, I haven't seen it, um, but from clips and from also from that, uh, very good documentary, uh, which didn't we, I thought we did a, uh, a podcast on that. Um, we, but we may have, it might've been like the second movie on something. I don't, yeah. I don't really recall. Like, I feel like we did. I know that we watched yeah. it together with the intent of doing an episode on it. And I can't recall if we actually did an episode 
or if it just got dropped into something or if we dropped the ball entirely. I'll have to look back through our, our All those archives. are very big possible ones. But yeah. But yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah no. Uh, especially considering, you know, it, it's still Fantastic Four is still going to be a thing. It's not like uh, yeah. every four years we get or five years or whatever it is that legally, contractually, they have to do <laughs> do a film <laughs> that will eight. eight years. So, uh, you know, um, God, I can't think of what comes in eight eight years. Uh, I was like, oh, every two presidential elections, we get a new Fantastic Four. I um, think it's uh, 2023 is the next time we should get a Fantastic Four movie unless the folks involved right now <laughs> – I mean, and of course, part of it is if if Fox actually gets sold to Disney, then I mean that that also will be uh, you know three years into the second um, uh, administration of the of Trump. So yeah. I'm not quite sure if there will be movie theaters or yeah. <laughs> we're all, we'll all just be drinking distilled water and <laughs> it'll it'll be it'll be cartel 2045. <laughs> exactly, it'll be that kind of world. Even though, we, it's, which is probably what we should be talking about right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're we're okay. So, Cartel Twenty Forty Five is a a smaller release, and it's going to be a direct to streaming release. I don't believe it's coming out in any kind of theatrical I, release, although I, it is hitting some festivals. I, I I'm I'm seeing uh like looking at IMDb, which always has you know for release yeah. date info. So it was kind of questionable. Like it has uh, February 17th actually is a ja- uh, Japanese release. Um, hmm. So it could, it's probably one of those that it has, it's probably out there in the world. Um, people have seen it. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, it looks like it was a, it premiered actually on TV uh, in Japan on uh, November 23rd, uh, 2017. Interesting. Um, yeah. And it looks like a, I don't, I'm trying to think of what festival that would have been the Salt Lake uh, city. I mean, it was just. It's. I know Salt Lake City has a film festival. Yeah, uh, there April was first, a, but there was a film festival. Like one of the one of the still photos because I downloaded some art to go with this podcast, and one of the still photos was identified as like a press reel from some film festival. So it has it has screened around. Uh, but the the official release date is May first, and I don't think that anybody listening to this in all likelihood will have seen the film before that unless they go out of their way to try to find like a bootleg or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because of the fact that this is such a small release, it's not even like I, Tanya where like, yeah, it's a small release, but it's still a major studio film. Yeah. I'm going to read the official synopsis mm-hmm. uh, just to give us a starting point. I'll also try to remember to include a link to the trailer in the show notes <laughs> so that if people want to pause and take a look at what they're, what they're looking at. Let me, let me read it in trailer voice. Um, I can read it in trailer voice because we don't have a thing. The synopsis. Yes. One last mission, retrieve the asset, go back to your family. The year is 2045. The continuing drug war has Mm -hmm. caused havoc between the United States and Mexico. Gearside International is a robot robotics engineering company on the brink of bankruptcy, sells off their technology to the cartel on the black market. With the advanced military robotics technology in the wrong hands, the cartel uses it to their advantage, replacing their enforcers, hitmen, and soldiers. From director Christopher Lee and starring screen sensation Danny Trejo from Machete and The Devil's Rejects with Alexander P. Hartman from Power Rangers Samurai, Brad Schmidt from House of Lies, and Blake Webb 
from Colony. Cartel 45 premieres on video on demand May 1st from Uncorked Entertainment. And yeah, that that's a fairly, uh, I, I feel like you get pretty much that monologue in the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, like kind of why I was inspired, but yeah. <laughs> what, what's, and, and I'll tell you what, uh, this is not the kind of movie where I think spoilers particularly matter. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I will go out. Of, I, I won't go out of my way to spoil plot points, but I will say that there are certain things that I think we'll need to discuss. And the first one, I'm just going to rip the bandaid right off and say the weird chunk of exposition that we get in the last 15 minutes of the movie. It, it's, it's fucking bizarre. Yeah. Because we essentially find out that the events of the movie are the fault of our main character. Yeah. And there was no real indication of that throughout the film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's like little touches that something happened that he did. Um, you know, I mean, you can mm-hmm. kind of garner through. I mean, you'd, you'd have to like kind of actually be thinking about it, which is not. Right. You know, I mean, this is. This is not really the film where you're like trying to thing. You're just kind of being like, Oh, who's, who's the next person going to, that's going to like literally explode from getting shot with a, uh, you know, <laughs> with a 50 a cal or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing of it is that the, the way that they talked throughout the movie, I got the impression that he had like a PTSD episode or something yeah. and had let down his squad and people died because of it. Yeah. That's not what it is, and we won't spoil exactly what it is that they do, but mm-hmm. like the eventually what you find out he had done is way stranger and way worse, and it has kind of this ripple effect that literally the reason Gearside International is going bankrupt is because of actions that uh Carson undertook yeah. during this uh, war or at least this this black ops mission in Iraq. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 just an odd decision for them to re- reveal it so late, and I feel like it was supposed to be a twist, but it doesn't gel with kind of anything else. Well, it and also uh, it doesn't it doesn't build like there's no yeah. like what happened? Like you, you're not actually it's not it it's not something that just seems to be important to the plot point, other than. One of his colleagues, uh, one of his fellow soldiers, uh, is going. I, I hope you don't do what you did in, you know, in in, in that Iraq, village. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and and so it doesn't really do anything. And it and this is, you know, it's supposed to be a redemption story to to an extent yeah. where this is the the one last mission sort of thing, um, where that's the setup where it's you know uh like lockout or any of those things like yeah. guys in prison you have a choice you can do this mission or spend the rest of your life in jail and and uh, oddly at first he's like oh, I'll spend the rest of life in my jail <laughs> like yeah. and then and then for some reason like yeah go ahead <laughs> uh I, I will say one the one area where when you go back and watch the movie knowing what the kind of reveal is at the end mm-hmm. there are bits of things that make a lot more sense yeah. Uh, in, in the the first note that I had taken was that the main character engages in this trope of I hate the robots, the yeah. androids, yeah. Uh, and that's something obviously we've seen from Blade Runner and like Carl Urban's character in the Almost Human TV show, yeah. and and uh, Will Smith and I Robot. Yeah, that, that's exactly that was my immediate that uh, 
just that mentality is is basically the exact mm-hmm. same kind of mentality where it's just like something bad happened, but he clearly has this massive like computer chip in the side of his head, so yeah. there's something going on there. Um, and I mean, they kind of explain it a little bit, but uh, even even after the you know plot point uh, towards yeah. the end of the film, like they don't they don't do much other than the fact that it gives him. I I I I believe it gives him like I think that that's the the assumption that it gives him these kind of massive seizures uh that he has uh which yeah. kind of they know about and yet they're still like yeah go on this like black ops mission and you're going <laughs> to a seizure yeah. in the middle of the fucking thing a couple times cuz it's not like it's not like most of those things where the guy's having a seizure and he's like, you know, 50% debilitated where he can still see and he's right. still like shooting through it, but it's causing problems. No, he is out on the floor twitching out like right. gone. Um, and which I like, honestly, I have to say it like out of all the things with this film, this, that is my biggest problem with it. It's because it's like literally you have the main character who just at random points. And I, I haven't really been able to follow that there's a specific thing that causes it. So at least it's not like a known yeah. weakness. It's just something that happens. Um, right. You know, and, and it's, it's, yeah, it's one of a handful of things in this movie that is, is weirdly realistic. In the sense that, like, people with seizure disorders, that is a more realistic yeah. kind of version of than than what we usually see in movies. But yeah. it's certainly it's not as dramatically satisfying as what we usually see in movies. Yeah, and and, and it's like like so many things. Like there is a reason why that it happens in movies the way it does is because otherwise it's we're so trained that that's the way it happens that if somebody does it differently, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, well, sorry. and and. Another example I'd give in this is the fighting. Like when you look at the fighting in this movie, yeah. on the one hand, yes, it absolutely looks like it probably would look in real life. These guys fighting. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, it looks like this movie didn't hire a fight choreographer. Yeah. Like it, it really just, I feel like sometimes the camera just starts rolling and they go, okay guys fight. And yeah, yeah, and it's just like basically they're filming a kickboxing sequence um mm-hmm. between two fighters, which you know has its own kind of thing uh if you are kind of setting up for that, I guess, but this is you know it's it the premise is basically you know yeah that this now is, this is an action movie, so the most the most important thing to think that I think you should know going into this movie because completely colors every aspect of the film from beginning to end is that this is clearly like a love letter to the universal soldier style, uh, kind of, uh, you know, RoboCop two style, like gory over the top action thriller or action uh, movies of the eighties. Yeah. With a grindhouse kind of, uh, yeah, thrown in due to the aggressive filter they put over the entire film. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's it's it's a weird it's a weird thing because there are bits of this movie where, and I, I kind of feel like what must have happened is that they looked at the script and they said we don't have enough money to do this script straight. Yeah. So let's do it like it's supposed like it's RoboCop. Yeah. And you know, there's there's a an exploding head at a key moment. It's like a key dramatic moment in the movie that you're supposed to 
be impacted by. Yeah. But it's like the CG equivalent of the hand in RoboCop, where it's just like the gun goes off and then you cut from the guy shooting to like a, a quick cut back to the guy who's being shot at. And yeah. by the time they cut to him, he's just got no head. And there's just like a filter of like CG blood across the whole like area where his head would have been. And there's like, there's no tissue. It's clearly like a dummy with no head or a guy in a costume with no head that just slumps <laughs> over. Yeah. But so, so it's a little bit, it's a little bit strange at times, but it's, it's very clearly intended to be exactly that kind of movie. Like there's a super high color contrast in a lot of the scenes, especially yeah. in towards the end mm-hmm. that to me, it looks like a VHS tape that's like 15 years old <laughs> and that's been essentially demagnetized. And so you're getting that thing where the, the, the tracking, the focus softens and the contrast jumps and it's like you're watching a movie that's like overly like pink and orange and blue. Yeah. And I, I assume that that was on purpose. I assume that that was a thing that they did because that the kind of movie that they were trying to make is the kind of movie you would have watched on a rental cassette. Yeah. I mean, and this is, I mean, this is clearly it, it, it looks like the, the stock filter, that you would have seen in the the was the Tarantino and uh, Rodriguez yeah, uh, Grindhouse films. So yeah. I mean, it's it's there. It's just like a little over the top um, because it also because they also throw a sepia kind of look yeah. into it because it's you know because it's Juarez and yeah. I'm I'm moderately sure they're not filming anywhere near uh, Juarez. Uh, no, just just because of the the set locations and like that. That's not yeah. anything towards anything. It just you know. Um, like once they go exterior, you're like this, this doesn't have this. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, not that they could have literally filmed in a warehouse district around Juarez or El Paso yeah. or whatever. And, and I have no idea, but, uh, I'm guessing not. Um, which is not normal. I mean, which, or, which is not unnormal or not, right? <laughs> which is quite normal considering, you know, half of New York city is actually filmed, is actually filmed in Vancouver. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting movie because a lot of the things that ordinarily we would criticize, it's, it's like, no, it was intentionally done that way. So even if it's incompetent, it's, or even if it's bad, it's not necessarily incompetent. Yeah. And and I don't think that you can dismiss the possibility of certain things being both. Yeah. But it's, it's hard to tell where stylization ends and the limitations of either the filmmakers or the budget or the whatever begins. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things is, again, I, I keep kind of calling back to Robocop, but the droid movements in a bunch of these scenes look like claymation. And yeah. Yeah. especially in the big, like climactic battle scene where they're fighting, like there's basically three increasingly bigger droids involved. Mm-hmm. And the the droids all look like like bad claymation. It's like this jerky thing, and I can't honestly. There's bits of it that are clearly CG, and there's bits of it that I can't tell if it's bad claymation or bad CG, or whether it's like bad CG that's designed to look like bad claymation. I mean, it 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 definitely has a feel. The motion and even the uh, the droid looks. You know, they're mm-hmm. not. 
Um, they're not quite chappy, uh, yeah. but they're not quite uh, straight RoboCop. Not straight. Um, oh God, I'm trying to remember the 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 vil- the quote unquote villain ro- robot in Ed Two Hundred Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the more like non-human looking one. I mean, yeah. the, like some of them are a little chappy esque, um, mm-hmm. uh, and some of them are a little more like that one. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, but their motion is also very stop and thing, which I, I, it has to be. It has to be a conscious choice to some level, um, yeah. because I mean, CG. Like, I I don't think that it that would be saving you any time, or that's not like a lower yeah. end version of doing the computer graphic stuff. Right. So, I'm completely ignorant on this, so it could be completely 100 percent wrong. That's just based on watching it ton of movies that are have different budgets i mean this one should note that has an estimated million dollar uh budget uh yeah. which my guess goes mostly towards just the random equipment and um our our dear uh uh, uh vegan restaurant uh restaurateur uh <laughs> danny trejo which uh by the way if you didn't know that he sells fantastic supposedly according to my friends fantastic vegan tacos um out nice. of uh, i think a couple of restaurants now he actually has so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which again it's which also like by the way like that has completely thrown me for a loop because first off uh to my surprise actually trejo plays a villain in this <laughs> i guess yeah. at this point i'm so used to him playing uh machete or you know some other rodriguez character where he's um at best a you know or at worst a uh you know a complicated like an anti-hero. Yeah, an anti-hero. Yeah. yeah and so in this one where he's a straight up like fucking drug drug lord you know he's a cartel you know whatever um (laughs) it's a little it threw me for a little loop because i was like wait no i'm used to him being kind of you know the rough but you know kind kind of guy now uh which is you know also like the first time you're introduced i was introduced to him i think was uh oh god what was the first um the first the rodriguez movie with uh uh banderas the first one Desperado, yeah, the one, the one, or, that, or El, El Mariachi, yeah, uh, yeah, Mariachi. Uh, that was, I think, where I was introduced to him. So, uh, where he played, I think, I believe he played a villain or a hundred percent villain in that. Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I also think one of the things that's interesting about this movie is yeah. just going into it within like five minutes. Uh, and, and again, this is both a critique and part of its inherent implicit appeal. Mm-hmm. So take this for what it is. Within five minutes, you're just sitting there going, this is not a real movie. This is like the trailer, like the bad trailer for a cheesy movie yeah. that you see in a real movie. <laughs> and yeah. that, of course, is hilarious because that's literally what Machete is, which yeah. is a, a movie that stars the exact same guy. Yeah. But I mean, so, I mean, I, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know how, I can't tell how long we are into like kind of half ripping out and half talking about other, half talking about other things. Um, mm. but this is the, the one thing that I, I have to like kind of like put my headspace in is that think about when clerks came out. Um, mm-hmm. and like clerks, not even, not even clerks in particular, but like that that era when independent film was really, you know, starting to become a thing that you'd actually be able to see outside of, Oh, my friend, John made one, made a one on VHS and we're going to watch it, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> like, like when it became a thing, you actually saw in theaters and actually saw, had VHS releases of, you know, at 
decent, you know, places like chimneys and, and later on, you know, in a, uh, Emerald City video. Um, and, and so, but like, I think that one thing that as, you know, bunch of film snobs to some level <laughs> we have to always remember with this is that this is independent cinema like this is doing what like the films before wouldn't have do except now they have the ability to do it a first off on the do a lot more for a lot less and also at starting to add computer uh you know cg into it and and maybe get like a an actor like uh, trejo as opposed to like this just being a bunch of friends running around um, so like yeah. that, that's something I tried to put my headspace in, uh, when I, when I was watching it, because just have to remember that. I mean, with that said, it's still like, I see a lot of Halo, like there's a lot of, uh, people who do Halo movies and, and things like that, like not just using the, the CG on it, but, and it's a lot, lot better than this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, this is, I think a movie that will find an audience with, people who are looking specifically for so bad it's good kind of movies. Yeah, yeah. Because that's like, I don't, I don't think for a minute that that's not what this movie was made to be. Yeah. I think that this movie in, in, in most, in most part, I think that this movie is exactly what they set out to make. And so in a lot of ways, if you like look at this trailer and you see the insanity in this trailer and you think, Oh man, that's going to be fun. You're probably going to really enjoy the movie. Yeah. And that, uh, and that if you go into that expectations, that's, that's what you're going to see that. I mean, I, I yeah. kind of went into that, those expectations still. And I was like this, there's, there's just, a, there's some things that I, I start to feel that this, that what the screener that we're watching, like this is something we're going to have to check in on um and make sure because like subtitles are missing on some things. Uh, or on, on everything. I mean, anyone who speaks Spanish. So I don't know right. if that was like a purposeful to throw you out of the way, like they do in some movies where they're like, no, we're not even going to translate it. Um, right. Or whether that was a, oh, this isn't, you know, this, that we didn't throw the, 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 the subtitles on because I mean, it, right. Almost all of the characters speak Spanish and English. Uh, and so, especially the ones that speak Spanish, they also are, they're bilingual. Um, and yeah. so like they, they actually are, they're not just reciting. Like, I think some of the, 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 the soldiers are just reciting Spanish, uh, that they learn, yeah. but, but I assume, I know Trejo is, is bilingual, you know, it is. so it's weird that they don't have at least a translation because I'm curious on like the opening dialogue, there's some Spanish. Um, and I was like, oh, what, what, looking for the looking for the yeah. you know the cc on the on uh on the link and it's not there so uh, yeah, I'm curious. interesting that's interesting to me because one of the things about it is throughout most of the movie you can essentially suss out if not literally what's being said then at least the spirit of what's being said from context clues yeah yeah it's a very heightened movie it's a very kind of predictable movie in a lot of ways and so you you can look at it and go, oh, okay, I get what's going on here. Yeah. But you're right. There are a couple of scenarios, and especially there's one in the first, like, five minutes where there's just Spanish speech, Spanish speaking going on, and you're like, if I don't know Spanish, I don't know what the hell just happened because there isn't really a context for it yet. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I couldn't even suss out. <laughs> like, usually I can kind of get, like, five words out of a par- out of a paragraph and be like, oh, so they're saying that, but I didn't, wasn't really able to pull that out. Um, I, 
Yeah. I, I will say, and I don't know if the, if you wanted to go any more on this, um, but uh, like I actually, especially considering like looking at the movie poster and and yeah. sadly knowing a lot of the ending uh, or yeah. knowing the ending, I I'm actually surprised. I thought this was setting up a because this is setting up a world. Like they yeah. did actually, they did actually something. Oh God, what was the last film that one of the films we reviewed? lately that was set was supposed to be setting up a world and they're like wait i'm like wait you did you never set up this this universe that you're supposed to be kind of building here uh for a potential sequel and they did a pre- i think they did a pretty good job building a world that i'm actually i'm actually really interested in this world that's yeah. to me this is like this is actually a really interesting concept that i think a little bit of my frustration with it is the fact that like i mean who knows i mean like look at you know again you had rodriguez's you know mariachi which basically yeah. was then remade and then remade again you know and remade a third time to to some yeah. level in in sequels quote unquote but i mean like i hope that this would do well enough that we might be able to have something that you could have you know because i mean if you look at the credits um the director does the editing and the uh the vfx um yeah so not only is this a lot, like obviously it's a low budget film, but it's obviously like holy shit, that guy is doing everything on this film. Yeah, so we probably could use you know to hire a VFX uh, person to be able to you know pull into this world because I mean this to me this is an actually a really interesting <laughs> kind of concept that uh, I also don't as a person who's very interested in in this in this world. Um, I, I I would I would love to see the sequel. I would love to see because I mean they certainly don't close off the world. It's not right. like the ending is ending is an ending that they could just be done and and we're done here. Um, but I could definitely and, see and let's it. say let's clarify the ending is we're done here. It, yeah. it, it, it <laughs> it's like they just ran out of script pages or ran out of film. Mm-hmm. It's this movie just kind of ends like the big fight ends and there's not even like any kind of denouement whatsoever it's like somebody gets up and starts walking towards the camera and basically like that's the end of the movie yeah i mean they do Uh there's a whole lot of moving parts that are behind that they left unfinished but like they they kind of built a world there's a there's a whole like uh, uh, military apparatus that's uh, existing behind like holograms and things like that. And there's a whole like, I mean, there's other cartels. There's, you know, that this, this thing has happened. It's, it, to me, it's quite clear that this company wasn't just run by just, um, or taken over by just, uh, Danny Trejo's character because literally right. his, his, it's not like he's living in some, you know, lavish mansion and has all this computer tech and everything like that. He's literally got like a couple guys with uh not really laptops, they're hologram laptop yeah. keyboard things. Um, but like so, I mean, like it's clear that this guy isn't potentially the biggest honcho in this world, I would assume. So uh yeah, I I, I actually do hope because I mean like they it can oh it can only get better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will say while I mean I, I agree with you, I really liked the world that they're building, and I do think that it, it will be interesting to see if they revisit this in a sequel of some kind. Yeah. Uh, there are a few things that, like I said, a lot of the things that would ordinarily be faults with a movie like this, uh, in this particular instance, are not really faults in the traditional sense because they were clearly creative decisions. 
But there are a few things where I'm like, you know, this was a problem for the movie and and you could make a couple of minor tweaks and I think make a really, a a little bit more enjoyable movie. And even if you're going for that feeling of like those late eighties kind of quasi grand, quasi grindhouse, like studio blockbusters. Yeah. Okay. So no one in this movie is particularly likable. Like, that, that's, which is also should be noted. That's, that's a really weird thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, that's, that's a thing that at, as I'm looking at it, I think of, you know, and again, I think of Universal Soldier and I think of Robocop and I think of all these movies that this is clearly kind of owes a lot of its DNA to. And there's always a point of view character. There's always somebody that you can sympathize with. And even if they aren't perfect and even if they're flawed and even if they're sometimes really damaged, there's somebody in the movie who's likable. Yeah. And there are one or two kind of side characters in this that I think were designed to be likable, but they're a little bit too obnoxious to be likable, particularly because their relentless positivity flies in the face of the deeply cynical main character. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's something that I think they could have adjusted a little bit. And like, you could have tweaked just a little bit and made one of these guys like Wolverine, giving him a, giving him a heart of gold instead of just making him kind of a dick. Yeah. Uh, or have any of the external characters be more, I mean, like there's, there's a, there's a woman who's a hostage that you briefly get and, and she is, uh, very quickly taken away from on the script. Um, yeah. and, and then you have a, you have uh um you have one of uh, his uh one of uh, Trejo's sons um in I, I believe it was his son in the film um who is also then very quickly kind of taken away <laughs> from, yeah. from the having things and so like and he's actually the only kind of character that has any soul it seems yes in it. that's actually that you, that's kind of presented i mean obviously Obviously, the Americans all have, well, uh, for the most part, have like a quote unquote soul better than, better than the guys who are just willing to, you know, rape and torture people. Um, but, but, uh, but this guy at least has kind of the like, oh no, I'm going to treat this one woman very nicely and try to get her away from this and apologizes yeah. for the state of the room that she's kept in and things like that. Um, yeah. And yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't last that long. So it, the, so it's, yeah. The only thing about that that was really weird to, and, and I actually, it, it, the note that I had is that in addition to not being particularly likable, mm-hmm. the, the performances themselves in this movie are not particularly memorable yeah. with the exception of Trejo, who goes like full on like eighties cartoon villain. He goes full Trejo. And yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> and and this guy who, who I don't know which I don't know what his character name was. And so I don't, I couldn't tell you the actor, but who plays his son, who he reminds me of Elijah Wood in Sin City. Yeah. Like yeah. he's this skinny, kind of pale, super creepy guy. And like, he has his own like tunnel vision, moral code. And so he's not a good guy per se, but you're right. It's you're, you're right. Like, there's a, a scene that's really uncomfortable to watch of one of Trejo's lieutenants trying, essentially using these other two women to force the hostage to fillet him. 
it's it's it goes on for like two minutes before somebody comes in to assist her. Yeah, it goes and, on for about a minute and forty five seconds too long, basically. But yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It was really not comfortable, and it really didn't seem to add much. And again, I'm kind of wondering if they miscalculated that, or if they did it on purpose because that that used to happen in this style of movie in the eighties. But yeah. uh, but the character, I mean, the character that that is doing it isn't. It's not like in the world of, say, a New Jack City or something like that, where you right. have these characters that build that that exist for a reason and that have a, may, basically a, a, a large purpose. And so, like, there's yeah. no moment where this character needs to exist in any way, shape, and form. So it's not even like, um, you know, yeah, it's not even like in Dread where you have uh, the uh, the guy that actually gets you know captured and arrested you know, mm-hmm. kind of fucking with this woman where there's this long buildup of the tension between these two people and characters. Uh, and it comes to a head in, you know, it, it right, at, right towards what the, the last like 20 minutes of dread. And then she gets the upper hand on him and, <laughs> and blows off his hand. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the- and, and there's like a great satisfaction to it, but there's none of that <laughs> built yeah. into that, the- you know? No, it, it'd actually be kind of great. I mean, that actually would have been like if 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 I still had an opportunity to obviously this film was released, it'd be like I'd edit yeah. out and give one of those guys that can have vengeance or have whatever. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, like I was saying before, like all they really have to do is just find yet another uh, you know, cartel that they can go after yeah. or whatever. It's not like he's I don't think he succeeded. He, he clearly Trejo hasn't succeeded in taking over um all the other cartels or anything like that um yeah, yeah and uh which is also like one of those weird things where like he seems to be a really down and out cartel leader yeah <laughs> like i really yeah. wish that he was if he's like this guy building you know building these things like even if it's in the future he should at least be in the stereotypical like he could be in a low rent version of you know uh that those gorgeous you know Gorgeous palaces that drug lords have in every single, in all of the 35 different Netflix series that are about the cartel series. Uh, Maybe it's, maybe it's just, he, 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 Netflix had them all booked up. (laughs) They're like, oh, we tried to get one, but Netflix literally has every single cartel palace booked up. And they're no, his here's the thing his cartel palace is in El Paso, and clearly, since this happens 25 years in the future, the wall is a major barrier. <laughs> and that's another thing that's kind of weird is the truck the like I especially considering Trejo has spoken out like a couple times he's done mm-hmm. joke things and things like that like I there's a lot of missed dialogue opportunities there of yeah. making jokes about like well you know President uh uh Baron Trump <laughs> it's now yeah. you know like now the now in his third term or something like that and you know he's made it so hard for drugs to be crossing the border that we have to have these things or something like that yeah. like i feel like i obviously you know that may have that may end up throwing off some of the people that might like this i don't know i don't know what the demo is for this yeah, for it's... for these for all of these types of films you know i mean they, they obviously there is a demo because there's a ton of them made oh, yeah. um and, and a ton of them, by the way, get sequels. Like, I can't yeah. think of the name of it, but I just recently, Danny Trejo had a, like, a supernatural Western that came yeah. out. And when somebody sent me the review copy, I had not heard of the franchise to know that it was a sequel until I got the second one. Yeah. 
And so then I had to like go back and watch the first one in order to prep. And so it, it is one of the, like these things clearly have an audience, which is kind of great because in a lot of ways, one would have thought that these movies would suffer at the death of the home video industry. Yeah. And totally. so I kind of feel like there's, there's, there's something about these kinds of movies that continues to appeal to people, even when you can't just kind of browse them off the rack. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they, they, you know, they clearly, they, they keep people working in the way mm-hmm. that kind of it needs to be. And, you know, and uh, they clearly make it just enough money. And I'm, sh- you know, I'm sure that if it got shown on, you know, if it got shown on uh, Japanese TV, that probably made back half of its budget. Um, oh, and, you know, I mean, Trejo, Trejo does like, oh my, oh my fucking God. He has, he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, like 23 films that are either completed, announced, or in post-production. And that's not even counting the films that come out this year, which there seems to be at least five or six of them. Yeah. So, I mean, Plus, like, he, he works for pay. Like, he's, like, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. like, you know, like, I know a lot of actors that, like, literally, no, they make it, they make good money. Um, but for three, they work three months and then they work another three months. And so these films kind of have to exist. Otherwise there's like an entire class of actors that couldn't survive. Um, and you know, and I think we're better for it because, you know, I think that everything would, we couldn't have somebody like Trejo around. And I think that all of cinema would be a worse place if we didn't. Very true. Also, I will say, in addition to the like thirty-seven movies that he's doing this year, yeah. they—he's also appearing in a couple episodes of The Flash. Yes. Uh, so this is a guy who just like he's constantly working and constantly moving. Uh, and, and of course, because he's Danny Trejo, he does a lot of press, and so I just—I feel like this is a dude who just doesn't sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he has like he has the fantastic. Like, I have. I, I I love Danny Trejo in almost like every way. Like he's a guy who has that fantastic fucking story of like literally. I forget which which director like pulled him out of like be like you know basically like oh you have the face <laughs> to yeah. to be like one of the henchmen in the movies and then literally just like step by step like he's turned into almost a household name. I mean fucking hell, he's even been oh my god, he actually was Jaguar in that Rick and Morty episode. Um, <laughs> I thought they literally just found like a, a um, a sound a type, like, which, you yeah. know, they could have done just as easy, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just happy that he continually gets work because he's, <laughs> he's also like the, one of the most decent human beings I've, I've literally since basically he's gotten out of prison when he was like, like in his early twenties, like he sounds like one of the most decent human beings in Hollywood, which I know mm-hmm. isn't saying a lot, but, but considering the characters that he plays and, yeah. you know, and his look and everything like that, like he could very easily be a lot more of a dick, but <laughs> like, I always like, I always like when he does comedy, like yes, even, even though it was a bit part, I, I still to this day love his cameo in the most recent Muppet movie. Oh uh, yeah. I don't think I've seen that one yet, but. He, it's literally like the Muppets get wrongly imprisoned briefly and then the mayor like issues a thing to get them out or whatever. And, uh, 
he's in the cell next to them. And like they use the shot in the trailer <laughs> where the lady comes to let them out and he's just like sticks his hand through the bars and he's like, I'm a Muppet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but yeah, Trejo, uh, the one, the one other thing I wanted to talk about that, that is a, like an actual filmmaking kind of thing that bugged me. Uh, and, and this is, this could be world building. This could be quasi intentional or, uh, the thing that the synopsis did not tell us is that one of our main characters has essentially an AI in his ear at all times. Like he, he has this system called Adam, which displays a bunch of information on a contact lens and talks to him in, in a bug in his ear. Yeah. And which by the way, Adam, is an, which is an upside down, uh, Apple, um, earphone. Yeah, I don't know if you got saw in the close up, which I, I this is uh, also one of those things that like as a person who used to want to be like an indie filmmaker um, in this way, not in document, not, you know, but like I appreciate the finding existing technology and making it look <laughs> like it's it's something else. Yeah. Um, so I actually when I they finally they get because they gave it a close, they kind of gave it a close up and it's clearly just um, either either one of the uh the wireless earbuds um or right. an actual just like they cut off the end of the wires of a of a headphone yeah. set from the the white earbuds nice. and they just put his ear which I love I love yeah well here's my thing adam the the system is mm-hmm. a giant liability yeah he just exposits obvious shit far too late after it's useful information <laughs> all the time yeah. And when called on it and it's like, you couldn't have told me that earlier. He's like, Oh, I guess I could have. It's like, wait, what value are you then? If yeah. you can't make the judgment that, Oh, this is useful information that, you know, and, and it, it just, it's, it's one of those weird things. They don't play it for laughs enough, or at least the tone isn't laugh, isn't played for laughs enough. And, and so you get all these things where rather than being funny, which I think it's like two degrees removed from being really funny. Yeah. But the way that they play it in the movie is that rather than being funny, he's just a giant liability that's likely to get somebody killed. And it's such a weird choice. And again, I can't decide if maybe they were going for funny and missed, or if this is part of the world building and this is like beta version of Adam and future movies will have a better one. I don't know. But it didn't quite work. But this also is the, it's, I mean, this is, see, this is the weird thing too, is that so other than the kind of the weird Q guy that they have, like building tech in a warehouse, like that's not really like that advanced. It's like, oh, here's a small EMP device. Right. Um, And that's like, that's it. Like there's an AI system that's basically like Google Glass, but in a contact, Um, but also kind of almost stupider <laughs> like the tech is the tech is shitty <laughs> like the the droids never mind their movements and things like yeah. that like that we can pass off to whatever the vfx or whatever but like the ability for guys with basically ak-47s and may probably look like ar-15s um to just take them or m16s to take them down pretty mm-hmm. easily um is kind of amazing considering these are literally droids that are, they're not like say even chap chappy wasn't built for combat, right? Like that was the whole bit like, right? right. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, they're not like 
droids that have been upgraded to do war. These are war droids. Yeah, to, and and so like one guy is like he literally has the has one of the really big droids like standing over him and he shoots it in the like the singular eye it has mm-hmm. and it falls backwards over it doesn't die but it like falls backwards yeah. and like is out for a second and you're like wait what <laughs> yeah um, and they're also really easily you know like the the like hacking of them it seems to be really super easy and quick to be able to done and and, and just yeah. like the world it's it's like almost if Terminator sucked or like, <laughs> like the, like the, if like the, I mean, obviously part of the reason why Terminator doesn't suck is because basically Terminator doesn't deal with the idea of hacking at all. Right. Really. I think the later one last two might in one way or another kind of deal with hacking to an extent that you could hack a hack one of the Terminators, but like, they just don't deal with it. Like that's a possibility, right. but like, they do that really easily in this film. And this is a film that exists that like hacking exists. And you'd think that they, <laughs> they'd have some yeah. sort of security for that. So it's just like <laughs> that end, the end scene when, when Treo is being taken over by like supposedly a bunch of his droids, even though you only see like two of them, um, <laughs> which also is kind of weird because like once you've done one, I feel like, yeah you can do five or you can do 30. <laughs> like it yeah. seems a little weird that they made that choice, but um, I mean, maybe it's a render time thing. I don't really know. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. I don't know enough about the, this, this type of CG, but I, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I feel like if it's worth doing, it's worth doing. It. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but it's funny. Just like the world that they decided is that this basically the technology really fucking sucks a lot yeah. in the world and it's easily to, which of course, you know, it, it makes it so that five guys with nothing more fancy than, um, you know, a couple rifles could take mm-hmm. over, you know, could, could fight it. And, and so that's, you know, it's respectable. It's not like they're, it's not like, you know, the, the uh christian bale terminator film where they're like taking over where where it's a world where the terminators have completely taken over and they're like yeah we have got we've got some normal normal guns and we can take fight them yeah (laughs) you're like really (laughs) you have a motorcycle and you're just gonna (laughs) go up against these guys okay sure sure let's work with that I still stand by. I actually like that Terminator, but I don't care. I I don't think I ever watched it. I, I'm not oh. a huge fan of that franchise. Uh, uh, I I I mean, I like enjoy it when I watch it, but I, it's not a thing I seek out. Yeah, but but yeah, no. I, I I had that same kind of thing where it was like the the droids in this are basically like the the droids that you would fight in, say, a Resident Evil game. Yeah, where they're tough and they keep coming. But they have no reasoning skills, and if you just keep shooting and don't die, then you'll win. Yeah, and so and you it don't is have kind to of use, the, I mean, the unfortunate thing is that the, you don't have to use any smart. I mean, like the one thing, obviously, with Terminator <laughs> is that with uh, with that entire franchise is basically they outsmart the 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 robot the robots uh, in right. one way or another. They use some you know thing, um, and this they don't really they don't really use any special intelligence or knowledge or tricks other than the other than the emp devices that work once and then they're up against the next droid and literally that droid has enough armor that it's going to stop this emp thing and which is again super weird because it's like do you want to 
give that a little bit. Of, I also feel like if you're fighting droids, like if you're fighting electronics to right off the bat and EMPs exist, like that's the first, I mean, I don't know. It's like the, literally the first thing I think of, but yeah. I, I, I try not to get into like rewriting things, which is always bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it, it's an interesting, like it's an interesting choice because it, it, it worked for so such a brief amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and obviously again, I mean, one of the, Hopefully, if there is a sequel, which again, I, I you know, who knows if the, this is even in the brains of the people or in the the headspace of the people who are who made this film, and we're just adding sequel to it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> which I did that at the last set visit. I was like, so in the sequel, what would you do? And like, literally, the PR person was like, "Can we talk about this film?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, sure." Uh, <laughs> I don't know anything about this film though, so, but, um, but, um, but, uh, you know, I mean, it would be interesting to start to build, you know, start to build the idea that, you know, the, that robot, that this technology to fight the robots exists. And, you know, Mm -hmm. then you can actually, I don't know, play with that idea. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore, but, (laughs) uh, So yeah, that's, that's really, that's all I've got in terms of notes. I, I, it was a movie that I wanted to enjoy it a little bit more than I did. Uh, it, it's definitely a so bad it's good movie and it seemed to kind of split the difference of making a movie that's like just good enough to be bad. And, and so it, it it was a weird, you know, it, it, it felt like if they'd gone just a little bit more ridiculous, it yeah. would have been a better movie, yeah. Uh, or else, if they'd gone a whole lot less ridiculous. Although, again, I I feel like with the money that they had, going less ridiculous with a script this ambitious might have been doomed. Yeah, I, I feel like if they had, because I mean, like they had enough people. I feel like they had enough people, like actors. Um, mm-hmm. They had either gone, like you'd either have to go bigger or smaller. Um, there's a weird, like if they had gone the black ops route. And I mean, like the, and again, this is, this is exactly what you, as a reviewer, you shouldn't do, uh, because mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is literally like recast or not recasting, but like re shooting was just like, you, they, they filmed it and then added a, a bunch of filters on it to make it mm-hmm. look like something else, which is something, which is, act, I mean, which is actually this to me is something that really fucking bothers me about where a lot of filmmaking, especially independent filmmaking is going mm-hmm. with the obsession with shooting. We'll shoot it in 4k and then we can fix it in post. And to right. me, obviously I, I've been spent the last decade of my life in documentary filmmaking. So that's a bad idea. You know, that's like just something you don't yeah. like to me. I don't like, like the idea in general to do. Um, but it's the idea that you don't, you don't know what the look of your film is beforehand. And since 4k shooting is so fucking cheap to do now and you can't, it's unbelievable what you can do to an image now. Um, mm. and so it didn't have the film didn't have like the heart that it needed to have and w- because it looked like it was a, a stock filter over it. And so yeah. just on the filmmaking presence on, on the way that a lot of, you know, lower budget films will have, 
they'll, you know, they, especially like how independent film used to be like the one of the, I think one of the reasons why clerks, which is such a bad comparison. <laughs> um, one of the reasons why films film like clerks works is because, I mean, never mind the dialogue and everything like that, um, which is why, which is a hundred percent why it works, but is because it has, it has that low budget feel it had and it accepts it and embraces it a hundred percent. And, 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 and it knows its worlds. It, so like mm-hmm. literally what, what is clerks clerks has, um, literally what they're, are they, in, I'm trying to remember if they're in a car. My God, I feel bad, Kevin. I haven't seen it in so long. They're in a, they're, they're literally in the store. I think there's an, there's what, there's like a handful of there, external shots. There's um, a handful of external shots. There's the shots on the roof. There's a shot, at least a shot, a couple of shots, I think in the car because yeah. they go to the funeral. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so but you, they couldn't so like, get into the funeral home. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, so you write your script for your budget. I mean, like, that's just right. like the that's like low budget filmmaking one on one. So, like, the fact that everything's shot during the day, um, which or it, you shoot day for night. I mean, shoot whatever. Like, mm-hmm. you can make a smaller world just by like making like choosing when you film or what the context is you film, and you could you know put that whole budget like. Like there's that weird scene with Trejo where they have a um, it's not a memorial setup, but uh, I forget what it's called with the skull and the the weird skeleton thing that yeah. which whether that's supposed to be his mom or something. I I, I, I like well because <laughs> they talk he talks about like the goddess of death or the the mm. angel of death or something in in his like last big monologue, mm. and so I'm assuming that's just like an altar to like some pagan god or something. I don't I, know. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, like that—that that was do, that was a situation where a lot of that dialogue was in Spanish, and I don't know if I missed yeah, something. Yeah, um, but um, but I feel like you have to have that one. You have to for for a lot of low budget films that are doing bigger action type things, bigger things. You have to have that one big scene um, that kind of makes it okay. That makes everything else like build to that. And this yeah. film didn't have that. That didn't have not only the big, the one big scene that did it, but like the, just the set design, the, you know, like the room that's memorable of any kind. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I, and when, I don't know if they were, it's because they were so focused on the, 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 the VFX, like that was going to be their thing, like Trejo in so. the suit. But yeah, I, 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 it's I, well, yeah. one of the things that really like, took me out of the movie. And again, like they, they build this world that feels kind of very lo-fi and very eighties. Mm-hmm. And so you can get away with a lot. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that did take me completely out of the film and really remind me, Oh yeah, this is a zero budget movie mm-hmm. was, you know, you have Danny Trejo's character. Who's like the head of this cartel. And he's like, essentially got the lives of everybody in this building in his hand. <clears throat> and yeah. when you finally see him go off to, like his own space. It's a concrete windowless room with one <laughs> utilitarian desk and a laptop. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, this dude is, is in prison for all intents and purposes. Yeah. He, and, he is not, you know, and it's, so it's weird because they, they definitely build him as like a big cartel leader. I, yeah. I, I just kind of needed that. I needed that one big scene that makes, Trejo the badass person that he is and you know whether that it doesn't it didn't have to be the huge it didn't have to be a huge um 
oh god what was the i'm blanking on not carlito's way um uh scarface scene like it didn't have to be him with the pile of the cocaine and things like that even though there were very brief moments like there's none of the tropes that you usually have connected with uh cartel leaders in this film um and which would have been actually like perfectly and totally fine if they literally would have had to have like i you, you know what could save a lot of this film is literally if they had a title card at the beginning of the film that said something along the lines of the cartels were all wiped out in the border wars of 2035. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the few, few that are lasting around Trejo is the king of them and, right. uh, and da, 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 da. And that would have built a world where all of the tropes that you know about cartel leaders are gone. The, the mansions, the piles of cocaine, the like, mm-hmm of women i mean they gotta have like they have a couple women but i mean like he doesn't he doesn't have a woman at all like he it's not like he's you know just like all the terrible kind of sexist and atrocious tropes which are i don't know who the fuck knows if true are true because the fuck knows what are true (laughs) true these days about about this shit but like all of that is kind of gone like you could just very quickly established that all of that is gone. And then this, a lot of this is a, a lot more okay. But it's like, I still want, like, especially with Trejo, if it wasn't Trejo, it's yeah. like this bad. It's like, I have too much respect for Trejo as like being who he is, where I'm like, I want him to have the great fucking scene, a great fucking scene in this movie. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't allow him to, um, you know, even I- in when he's in the robot or even when he's in the droid, like he's not, I don't know. He's not having his badass moment. Yeah. I it's funny because I feel like there well, two things. First of all, not only does he not have the badass moment when he's in the the suit, but mm-hmm. there's a scene where he's like ranting about like American foreign policy. Yeah. And yeah. they cut away from his rant to go to the American soldiers who are like hiding from his Gatling gunfire. Yeah. And literally you can hear him ranting very quietly in the background. And it feels like a moment in like a kid's cartoon where the totally off the wall lunatic villain is just like, (laughs) and and, and so it, it, it totally undermines any sense of threat that he represents and it undermines any sense of kind of dread that he's building because not only is he being maniacal, but the, the film frames his mania in such a way that it is not dangerous. Yeah. I mean, the, and you know, I didn't talk about, I I think either of us talked about like the weird audio, like up and down, like it doesn't seem to be mixed a hundred percent. Right. Uh, but like that, that moment in particular, and I think there's a couple moments like that. Uh, I think about it that I don't understand. Like, so movies don't, again, this film seems to have like, cause you were talking about, you brought up the fighting Mm -hmm. is that it seems to not, it seems to refuse to accept the tropes of film. Where the guy could be across the fucking room and talking, but the guy on the other side of the room, if it's important for him to hear, hears it. Even if logically the audio, there's a shot of him like close up making this great speech. And then they cut to the guy in the audience. You know, like you think about, uh, you think about Independence Day. There's a shot of the president Mm -hmm. making the speech 
and then they cut to any number of the guys who are who, uh, the pilots who are listening to him. The audio is the same. Right. And like, because even though, you know, um, God, I forget. Fuck. I forgot the name of his name. Um, <laughs> the pilot, the, the, not Pullman, the, uh, oh, the drunk. What's that? Randy. Yeah. Randy Quaid. <laughs> yeah. Randy Quaid. Even though Randy Quaid's character is like a hundred feet away from him and can't hear it as well as <laughs> there, you do it the same because you, that's just the way it is. That's the way you do yeah. that. <laughs> you know, um, you do filming a comedy special, you don't, and you cut to the audience. You don't cut to how they hear it, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's veris, verisimilitude is more important than realism mm-hmm. in the way that you're doing film. Yeah, I mean, I would I, love for one of these films to be filmed like oh. a document, straight up do- hardcore documentary, but because mm-hmm. <laughs> I I would buy tickets to that film, I would at least go see it a couple times just to give it the money, even if it sucked. <laughs> Because I would love to actually see it, see a real documentary action film, um, yeah. not like the fake ones where, like you know, Cloverfield and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, where like every, it, it, it's a found footage documentary, but but by coincidence, every important event takes place yeah. within six feet of this rando's camera. Yeah, it's like wow, yeah. that guy has a lav mic too. <laughs> But yeah, which let's not even get into the aggressively shaky camera that went into this, but uh, the film, but, and, and uh, I probably should wrap up, but I mean, like we, as we kind of tend to do, I mean, like, look at, we trash, uh, we trash almost every film that we like, because <laughs> the especially, especially since we just saw, both of us just saw this film. We did yeah, basically yeah. this like new, like all of our new release walls um where we finished watching the film and then immediately jumped into it and didn't we don't this is us processing the film yeah as, yeah as i took did. notes as i watched because i was because this wasn't in a theater so i, I did yeah. have a few like things to but yeah it, by and large we did this just the same way that we do when we go you know when we go see uh avengers which will happen after this <laughs> yeah the that's uh it's going to be the same process like we won't really have a ton of time yeah. to to let everything sink in yeah. and hopefully <laughs> although um i will say uh that this gives uh you know i mean that's and you know that's uh, not i know i just said let's let basically let's wrap this up but it weirdly makes me think about um justice league um mm-hmm. and and the fact that i mean films like this remind you i think and and this is something that I think we all should occasionally watch, you know, more independent film than we do, not only because it's it's a good idea to support filmmakers on the up and up and things like that. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, fucking hell, can you think about you think about uh um so many of the independent filmmakers that are huge blockbuster filmmakers now that if they had to come up in this in this in this world yeah holy shit i mean i mean um like yeah i mean like you how would pi exist uh in this world you know how would that film i I don't think it would like i not only i don't just don't think it would get the distribution in the way that it needed it would be lost on amazon somewhere in the middle of nowhere and -hmm. because no one would talk about it because you know there's eighty five thousand other films coming out um, and as good as it was, it wasn't, you know, I mean, you look at that film, I mean, like clerks would do the same deal. I mean, like clerks is still awesome and still hilarious, but D 
dear Lord, if there was 45,000 other films coming out yeah. with a bunch of people talking, you know, and obviously those films exist because of Kevin's, because right. of Kevin Smith's influence and those films exist because of, you know, but, um, um, but one thing this film, this film always reminds me that filmmaking is hard. It's really fucking yeah. hard. It's really like to, especially action. Holy fucking mm-hmm. shit. Action is hard. Um, the yeah. only, the only, I think I only filmed one scene ever that could be considered action in my life. Like that's not documentary and right. holy shit. I, I hope to God. I, I thank Lord that that film has lot, been lost to the hard drives and, <laughs> and ages because I don't want to think about it. Um, because it was, it was, I, my remembrance of it was terrible. Um, and, and, uh, I can't even imagine what it is today. Wow. Bad it would be. Um, but like it makes me think about Justice League and how much we trashed on the CG, or at least I trashed on the C- mm-hmm. the CG that was in that film, and and thinking going, okay, yeah, actually, wow, it was even worse than I thought it was because the CG in this film was bad, but this film had th- this film. Think about the entire budget of this film. Yeah, wouldn't have even removed the what a th- a tenth. Yeah. of uh Henry Cavill's mustache. Like <laughs> that's how fucking insane. Like that to me should be the rating of every budget of films from now on. Be like how much of Cavill's mustache would it would it have made it just a like a goatee? Would it have just you know like <laughs> like would it have been a Hitler stash? Like how much of the mu- uh, mustache would it have removed? And so when we if we trash on independent films and we trash on small films, I think that it needs to be rated within that because I mean fucking hell money solves a lot of fucking problems. Yeah. I mean, holy shit. I mean, I think that money actually made justice league worse because money allowed, uh, Josh Whedon to come in and do whatever Josh right. Whedon did to that fucking film. Um, so what I'm saying is I want to see a cartel 2045, um, cut with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with Josh Whedon. That's actually not, not, <laughs> No, you know what, you know, you know what it should be. We, and, and, and actually now that I think of it, this is, this actually would have been, uh, would have made the film better. I, I want to see Danny Trejo as Steppenwolf. <laughs> <laughs> and just no ranting. CG, just Danny Trejo. <laughs> <laughs> and just and ranting crazy- about the American government the whole time. <laughs> and that's a crazy thing. Like, oh, oh, I want, look at like guys, if you're out there. Uh, and you still have time before it comes to release. Give both of us a call. I, I will give. I'll, we will happily volunteer to write some extra lines for Trejo ranting about Trump. And I promise yeah. you, this film will make at least like ten thousand dollars more money, just because that will hit the news cycle. Like <laughs> anyway. I don't know. Did you have anything else? <laughs> no, I think that's it. Uh, I, this is one of those movies again, like this is, this is a, a strange and wonderful, a deeply flawed movie. And, and I would, I would highly recommend that, that people check it out because it's just, yeah. it's so goddamn bizarre that you're going to want to see it for yourself. Yeah. And, and I think that most people are going to be like, Oh man, this is so, this is so batshit crazy. It's good. And then if you aren't going to enjoy it, you, you'll you know within like five, ten minutes, like, oh, this is what I got into. And yeah. you, you you can just bail. Yeah. Uh, this, this is one of those films, I think, where like 
have a couple drinks. If you smoke, smoke, like do whatever you got to do and enjoy it. Like, and I think that's just, that's not, that's not just accidentally what this film was made for and released for and in every way, shape and form. And, and I hope that we do like, I, I enjoyed this, I think a lot more than I enjoyed other, not only, not only watching it, but also reviewing it and talking about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, and I hope as long as, as long as Uncork doesn't stop sending us <laughs> reviews <laughs> and, and all these, there's a bunch of different, there's a bunch of different distribution houses that send, send us reviews. Like yeah, we literally yeah. get like a, a, an email with like 30 films, which is also yeah, something like, you gotta like that, that is kind of a side of not Hollywood because these, these aren't Hollywood films, um, no. but like movie production. No, like Calgary. That is, <laughs> Yeah, Calgary or any, you know, I mean, like fucking whatever, like Nashville, like places that these films are made, like whatever, which is awesome, (laughs) like, which is uh, like the shit that you should support. But again, with the problems with, uh, you know, with the problems with distribution that we have these days and, you know, which we've talked about a million times, I don't know how any of these Mm -hmm. films get seen at all. Like this, this film would probably we would see it. And probably end up renting it if it was in Emerald City Video or in Chimneys or whatever, you know, 20, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever. Um, but nowadays, I don't know how the fuck you'd ever find it. And yeah. I don't know if I, 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 I can tell you if it wasn't sent to me in a link, I wouldn't give it the time of day. Um, I would put it on the mental list of like, Oh, it's got Trejo. I want to see that one day, yeah. but I would never end up seeing it. Um, but uh so like yeah so I, I i hope we i hope we have opportunity we don't do as do these as much as uh uh don't do well film reviews in general as much as we should yeah, <laughs> for yeah. this podcast but we uh we should uh we should definitely do more of these because uh i enjoyed the hell out of uh uh talking about these because uh, yeah. I, I think it's really important to even if it's the, the you know like the shitty horror films that like mm-hmm. eight thousand of these films come out every year oh, or or action or whatever you know yeah. uh, I I I feel like I need to see more of them just to kind of really put a a damper on my expectations for things because <laughs> I mean well no I mean dude I mean like when you think about the fact that you look at Black Panther or you look at um you know, you look at Wonder Woman and and you go, these are, this is usually the films that are like, these are the crappy films. And yeah. these films are, they, they, neither of them will win an Academy Award. Black Panther won't be nominated. Maybe it'll be nominated for, you know, CG or whatever technical yeah. stuff, but like it won't be, but it fucking goddamn well deserves it at this point. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really at this point ridiculous that none of these have been nominated. Just if you're actually talking about film, not talking mm-hmm. about like, the emotional aspect of, you know, the English patient, which English patient is one of my favorite films, but like the technical aspects of making a film in every way, shape and form that doesn't just involve the CG or whatever, but like building action sequences into actual dialogue with, you know, interesting characters and everyone's Mm -hmm. acting at the top of their league. Uh, Every single person in black, black Panther or wonder woman, they're all, actors who would normally be in Academy Award winning films mm-hmm. and um, outside of Gal Gadot, who is in criminal and uh, I don't think <laughs> she should ever be for- forgiven for that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, but yeah, so hopefully we'll do more of these because I, I enjoyed the hell out of this. And, and yeah, if, if you get a chance to see it, especially if it's on prime or Netflix, uh, um, uh, definitely see this. Uh, if it's, uh, 
three ninety nine download or whatever, uh, check it out too because it's 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 worth watching. Just obviously know what you're getting into. <laughs> yeah. All right, and I think that's it for tonight. You should like, share, rate, subscribe. We'll we'll be back sometime soon, probably in a week or so, because I there, there's like a bunch of things that we keep talking about doing that yeah. we haven't finished up yet. Yep. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks. What do you want, General? I'm here to extend you an opportunity. One last mission. You get your life back. Retrieve the asset and go home to your family. Heard you have something very special for sale. Is that how you found it? It's not working. So do you want it? You never took a gun when you found it? It's got grenade rounds! Iranian media had dubbed it the horror of Hamadan. Droid infantry units deployed in Iran were used in warfare. Droids like this one have been terrorized in the Mexican city of Juarez, and they've been painting the city in blood. The Malvado cartel has over a dozen of these droids. Find him. Do what you have to do, but don't come home without him. Let us welcome you to Juarez with some real... Mexican hospitality. Making droids is tricky business. Blood pours freely here in Juarez. Finish my weapon. Para de cabrones! Thought you could run around forever! <laughs> that in fact you know what maybe i'll maybe i'll just hang on to this and i'll release it like <laughs> The day Avengers comes out. Yeah. <laughs> and just be like, hey, everybody, we got a, we got a new, new release wall. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. If I actually did do that, then the people listening have just turned us off. Yes. <laughs>